Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts, I'm Michael Footer. And I'm Amanda Farrow. On each episode, we'll cover the biggest business beats and bring an expert commentary from lawyers, analysts, and industry pros. This is episode 124, some Activision shenanigans afoot in the California governor's office. Eesh. So that shenanigans wasn't originally, like, it was originally fuckery. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> oh, wow. I want you all to know that the actual title of this show that will... That fuckery like, was afoot. Yeah. Fuckery afoot in the California governor's office. Listen, we were trying to be, like, I don't know, neutral? We're very bad at being language neutral on this podcast. Honestly, I... I <laughs> shenanigans shenanigans is probably better for seo anyway exactly exactly (laughs) this was an seo play just to be very clear but fuckery between us was the real deal fuckery is a foot uh we actually have a relatively short episode today we only have one main story and our main story is the labor report where we'll be talking about the fuckery so uh, and its feet its feet we're actually (laughs) nope 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 i see the look in his eyes right now I know where he's going with this. I'm not letting him. <laughs> Bite your tongue. I'm biting so is there, hard. Bl- is there blood in your not mouth right yet, now? but they're going to be. Oh, no. Okay. So we have, like, we have nothing except for investment interlude, quick hits, and then our labor report. It is a relatively, I wouldn't say easy show, but it's lighter in the top half. So let's it jump is. right in to investment interlude. Where we talk about mergers and acquisitions and SPACs. We are actually talking about SPACs today. Are we talking today. about SPACs today? Yep, and uh, money, money, money. Money! Yeah. First up, Aspire, which is owned by Embracer Group subsidiary Saber Interactive. It is a many-layered cake of video games. Embracer Group has a grandbaby. Yeah. Uh, no, Saber <laughs> has Saber has grand a grandbaby. Uh, Embracer already had the grandbabies. Oh, that's true. Now they have great-great-grandbabies. But make them companies? Make no, them companies. this is going off the rails. I'm so sorry I said this. <laughs> Choo-choo, baby. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Uh, so Saber Interactive now has a grandbaby. Aspire, which is owned by Saber, which is owned by Embracer, has announced plans to purchase Beamdog. Uh, Beamdog, you may know from re-releases of Infinity Engine games. So that's all those old, awesome, uh, was it Blackrock and Bioware games, right? Mm-hmm. Including Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, Planescape Torment, uh, Neverwinter, Icewind, Icewind Dale. Like... Listen, so, I have a deep love of Icewind Dale. So all those old dope Infinity Engine games. I love those uh, games. They 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 now are owned by Aspire. Now what's interesting here is Beamdog, the day before this, annou- this announcement came out, mm-hmm. announced their next game, which is a roguelike first-person cooperative game called Myth Force, inspired by 80s cartoons. So you remember Awesome Knots when that came out? Yeah. Which is the side-scrolling MOBA, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember awesome And how notes. it had that awesome 80s intro. It was a vibe. Yeah. So there is one of those for Myth Force. And if you haven't seen it, you should totally go watch it. Uh, it is super in my wheelhouse. Really? Uh, because I am... Shocking. Because I'm you're a guy. child of the 80s. Yeah. But more interestingly, Aspire is working on another game that, like, that we're super excited for. Yeah, so um, I had a mini meltdown. Yes, <laughs> there were there were reactions <laughs> when we covered that when we actually live streamed this. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really exciting. So Aspire is actually working on the Knights of the Old Republic remake. So you know things are going pretty okay. Yeah, uh, as of as of when I put these show notes together, no terms were disclosed. 
I don't know if that's been updated. I actually looked for it on the Embracer IR site and I didn't see it there. Yeah. So they're usually pretty good about disclosing terms if they're there are in fact terms to disclose. Yeah. So. Uh, what else we got? Oh, this one's juicy. Hasbro has announced that Wizards of the Coast plans to acquire D&D Beyond. Now, for those of you that were like me and were in fact last week years old when you learned that D&D Beyond was not in fact owned by Hasbro mm -hmm. or Wizards of the Coast. Um, it was officially licensed. It was, yeah, it was licensed. I actually didn't know that. I thought that that was already wholly owned. So this was, this was really interesting. So anyway, point of all that is... D&D Beyond, which is the official D&D digital library and tool set, has been purchased. Or there's a deal. It's there's not a deal. Yet. There's a deal out there. Plans to acquire D&D Beyond for $146.3 million. I don't see anything in, in the way of this closing. This, is, this was already licensed. This is their content that's been digitized. Now, what's really interesting here, we told you we were going to be talking more about tabletop this year, and... The lightness of the show allows us to dive in a little bit. So you may be aware... So let's explain what D&D what Beyond is first. Because sure. you can purchase all of the source books that have come out for 5th edition. Yeah, you can buy those physically. Physically. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can buy them off Amazon. You can go to your friendly local... Um, friendly local game store, mm -hmm. which is probably the best place to find any and all tabletop information. But, but if you want them digitally... D&D Beyond is one way to get them. That's right. Now, it also includes character sheets. There's a dice roller. There, It was in beta the last time I looked, which was not too it's long not ago. Even just character, it's not even just character sheets. It's actual character customization. It's yes. light character customization. But it's actually really cool if you have a look in mind for your character. Mm -hmm. You can search. It's like, honestly, we were just talking about Baldur's Gate, right? It reminded me very much of Baldur's Gate where you're going through and you're choosing your portraits. It's actually pretty cool. And the DM can go in and give you items through it. You can track your hit points. Now You can track your XP, yes. your gold, your inventory. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, it is a... Your spell usage. It is a robust system. Now, here's what's interesting. We know that a lot of the major pen and paper RPG companies are investing heavily in digital. We know that... Um, Renegade is the official licensee of World of Darkness right now. Yes, And there's correct. also, I believe, a World of Darkness-focused virtual tabletop coming. I believe... Or at least something like... We it, don't know if it's a VTT or if it's something like D&D Beyond. So back when I spoke with the most excellent folks at World of Darkness a couple of, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, it was a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2020, we ended up talking about their plans to create something like this, mm -hmm. a virtual tabletop or some kind of immersive environment to have their players in all of their properties be able to enjoy it in similar ways that folks enjoy D&D. So that is something that they have actively talked about. So the reason why we're bringing up the idea of virtual tabletops, if you're not familiar, essentially during the pandemic, especially these became very useful for groups who were they trying to run They became essential. A game. Exactly. And there are a number out there. Uh, there is Roll, R-O-L-E, Roll mm -hmm. App. Yeah, right? Roll There's App. There's Roll 20, which is R-O-L-L 20. There's Foundry. Yep. And what these do, they allow you to import maps. Uh, there's tokens. They have marketplaces where you can purchase uh, token packs. Assets. Assets, stuff like that. character sheets. Now, 
for they a lot of these virtual tabletops have relationships with companies like Wizards of the Coast or Paizo, which is now getting into virtual tabletop. They and, honestly have to, yes. considering how tightly those relationships have mm-hmm. to work. And you can purchase the books through them and get the maps and tokens and all of that stuff through. So it's going to be very, very interesting. And the reason why we're talking about this so in depth on Thursday at about, I think it's like 12 o'clock our time or something like that, 12 o'clock Eastern, there is going to be a very big Dungeons and Dragons direct effectively. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be talking about video games. They're going to be talking about the future of D and D. I wonder if maybe we're going to see the first mention official mention of sixth edition fifth edition has been around for well over a decade at this point right i think so potentially yes yeah i think it's it's, getting there it's certainly getting up there so it, it would not be a surprise if wizards of the coast said hey we've really done a lot with fifth edition we have some ideas about how to improve things for sixth edition i expect that part of what's going to change is racial modifiers. I think Mm -hmm. that there's been a lot of discussion, especially over the last half decade, the last five years, about some of the ingrained racism that exists in the the DNA of a lot of fantasy tabletop games. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens if 6th edition is announced, what the video game landscape is going to be. I assume Baldur's Gate 3 will have some airtime there. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing that game. Yeah. Like when it's out of early access, I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I am as well. So let's let's dive into like what the rest of the deal looks like. So D and D Beyond was developed and launched by Curse, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you remember Curse, but this this all happened in 2017. So Curse's media properties were later acquired by Fandom in 2019, which is why you don't hear about Curse anymore. That's right. So since then, D&D Beyond has amassed around 10 million registered users. And this is what um, Hasbro had to say in the press release that we received. Quote, the strategic acquisition of D&D Beyond will deliver a direct relationship with fans, providing valuable data-driven insights to unlock opportunities for growth and new product development. So better understanding what people like about the product, what they're using, what they want more of, what they want less of, how they can make it better. Um live services and tools, and regional expansions. Mm -hmm. I also thought that was very interesting. As part of Wizards, the brand's leadership will soon be able to drive a unified, player-centric vision of the world's greatest role-playing game on all platforms. I wonder if they're going to do something along the lines of, you know, there's been that push for, like, WoW Vanilla. Sure. I wonder if they are going to do something like bringing old editions of the game. You have that Thacko eye twitch right now. (laughs) You can't, you will have to drag me kicking and screaming. It's not for people like us. I think 5th edition is a great system for people like us. Don't even get me wrong. I enjoyed 3rd. I enjoyed 3.5. I liked 4. I love 5. I have very fond memories of Mm AD&D. I really do. And hear me out. I'm never going back to Thacko and you can't make me. That's fair. So we're really excited for what Hasbro is going to talk about. Hasbro, which owns Wizards of the Coast, they're going to be talking about. Would not surprise me. Obviously, you know... Um, we'll be we'll likely be yeah. talking about it on our next news show, which will be early next week. Yes. Uh, so that's really interesting. Amanda, what's next? Uh, Niantic actually is doing some more money moves. They mm-hmm. have acquired New Zealand AR studio NZXR, which, you know, is a reasonable way to say this name because... 
they're part of the Commonwealth, so, hmm. you know, they say Zed too, which has created AR experiences for mobile as well as AR headsets for Qualcomm and Magic Leap. That's big. Hmm. No terms were disclosed. Uh, a couple of big pieces of epic news since last we chatted and had a new show. Mm-hmm. Epic Games uh, took a took in a $2 billion cash infusion split evenly between Sony. So that's yet another investment from Sony. Sony's definitely paying a lot of attention to Epic. Mm-hmm. And the other half is from the family group that owns the Lego group, Kirkby. The funds are going to be used to support Epic's attempt at building the metaverse and its continued growth. And of course, this comes hot on the heels of Epic's announcement that they're partnering with Lego Group to build a metaverse that is, quote, safe and fun for children and families. And again, if you want a deeper discussion on the importance of making metaverses safe for kids and families, uh, Steve Dutzman and I talked about it on the Engaged Family Gaming podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was really an important conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also from Epic, they've invested in an unspecified amount in Brazilian studio Aquirus, which is the developer of Horizon Chase, Wonderbox, and more. Quirus has been around for 15 years, and at the same time, they've entered into a publishing agreement with Epic for unannounced multi-platform games. Uh, I don't want to talk about this, but I will. But we have to. All right, so remember all those times that we've covered the Saudi government's investments in the gaming industry? Do you remember? Mm Mm-hmm. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the electronic gaming development company owned by Prince Mohammed's uh, Prince Mohammed bin Salman has increased its stake in SNK to 96%. So at this point, they own it. Like, they own it. We, the last 4% is fudging because they control it. They own it. They Well, past 50%, they control it. Right. When we're talking about 96%, there's no, no contest here. No, absolutely no contest. And as you might recall that uh, bin Salman's government authorized the killing of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Yes. It makes it really tough. And we, we've talked in the past about how they're investing in other game properties and it feels icky. Uh, Steven Totillo from Axios did that great interview with Oh my Ryan God, it was so Ward, good. I think his name is, who is the head of Nifty Gaming. Yeah, which it was is, really, really good. Which is uh, financed by the Saudi government. Yep, it's a bad time. Yep. Hey, remember we talked about how Jack Trenton's power up acquisition SPAC was gearing up to Nom 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 a company? Pepperidge Farm also remembers yes. this. Yes. Uh, so Power Up Acquisition raised more than $250 million a couple months ago. And again, another interview with, with uh, Totillo yeah. at Axios, noting that uh, they are targeting a $1 to $2 billion company to take public through a SPACquisition. Well, That's right. To- SPACquisition, everybody. I did it. You can't stop me. It's already done and out of my mouth. Please don't edit it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's like, he had to look directly into my big brown eyes. And tell me, don't edit this. Don't edit it. I wasn't planning on it. One to two think, billion dollar company, though. I think that's really interesting, and it's definitely we are we are we are in a weird liminal space mm-hmm. in terms of business in this industry, and consolidation continues to be what you know companies are looking toward or running away from in some instances. Mm-hmm. But a one to two billion dollar company, I mean, the pool isn't large no for that. i think at that point because then you, you you can't be too big but you also can't be tiny but we have so we actually have an idea we're gonna throw it out here right now because are we doing it yeah i think we should because i think thinking about a company that is doing really well that is a service-based company mm-hmm. which is a good target for a spac a digital extremes yeah 
Yeah, for me, it was either Digital Extremes or High Res. Yeah. Those were, those were the two big ones for me, because I think that, I think that for High Res, that might be a little bit too much money, mm-hmm. but not for Digital Extremes. They're, they're running one hell of a show over there. Yeah. And, so, oh, wait, they're a subsidiary. Hold on a second. Are they already owned by someone? They're owned by Layu. Oh, so, so that's out. That's not gonna work. Yeah, that's not gonna work. That's Although they would have been, interestingly, um, sixty-one percent of digital extremes was sold to Layu for only seventy-three million dollars in twenty fourteen. Warframe's grown so much uh, since that. Uh, the total consideration they did a, a call option. They now own ninety-five, ninety-seven percent of it for one hundred thirty-eight point two million. Um, yeah, I don't... Okay, so maybe that won't work. No, but... And I think high res is, is still private, but let me just confirm that. But I think that's another good one. They have a good portfolio service games. Yeah, and really what this comes down to yeah, is... Yeah, they're you, private. You have to take a look when you're looking at these weird spacquisitions. Apparently, that's the thing now. Um, that's right. You have to look at it from the perspective of what is going to continue to generate recurrent revenue. Mm-hmm. And recurrent revenue is what a lot of these investors want. And I mean, Jack Tretton is no slouch when it comes to gaming. I mean, he's been in gaming for many, 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 many years. So he gets this industry. It's interesting to think about it in terms of what's actually out there for that kind of money. I'm actually looking, see if there's a list of private game companies there are fewer and fewer all the time. I mean, Embracer yeah. Group has nommed a lot of them, and mm-hmm. Microsoft snapped up a bunch. And you know, back in the day, Acquis- or Activision was doing the same thing. So, yeah, I, I I'm just trying to trying to see who Who's there's no private. good list of, of and private it's certainly game not Epic. Just to be clear. No, Epic is whoa, way bigger than $2 billion. Way, 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 way. Um, in fact, hang on a second, because I can actually pull up that valuation right now based on the $2 billion they took in uh, and failed to do that when I was putting the notes together. Uh, $31.5 Yeah, that, that tracks. That makes sense. And I actually don't think that's overvalued. No, I don't. And I think if anybody were going to try to purchase them and take them public, they would be paying a larger premium. I would tend that. to agree. I mean, there I wouldn't might be surprised be, at that being twice that. Honestly, Tretton's fund could be looking for a mobile company. There it are could. some decent mobile companies out there around that valuation that might make sense. So we'll see. Mike and I will continue to keep our eyes on this, and it's interesting to speculate and kind of do some lightweight analysis on the fly as we tend to. Yeah, I mean, this is just a conversation where we're kind of letting you in. It's on like on the, on the chats that yeah. we have when no one's recording us. I mean, Valve is also still private, but that number is way too small for Valve. Mm-hmm. Um, Bungie was just acquired. Not going to work. Um, IO Interactive. No, they'll never do it again. Yeah. They'll never do it again. I They don't have to. I mean, I said the same thing about Bungie. So, I mean, maybe I'll be, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll eat my hat on that one. But I don't think IO's a... Io is the right fit. Apparently, MiHoYo is private. No, they're worth way more. You think Genshin's oh, worth way, way more, way than, more. Than, than one to two billion? Yeah. All right, all right, that's fair. I mean, like I could be wrong, but Genshin makes mad money. Uh, Larian, potentially. Larian is very valuable. I don't know if they are. I don't know if they're at one to two billion. Then I don't. I don't know. 
So anyway, there's, there's lots of great companies out there that deserve further investment, but I mean, SPAC acquisitions are weird and they continue are. to be weird. They are. And I think it's only a matter of time before they get regulated in a way. I agree. Because they're blank checks. They kind of are, They're yeah. blank check companies. Like, that's not me just being hyperbolic. They're... No. You're funding... When you take a SPAC and run it through an IPO, you're essentially giving money on the hopes that they find the right company to acquire. Exactly. And you're... It's it's gambling. Yeah. And what was... Who was the company... The mobile company... It was the mobile or free-to-play company that was slated for a SPAC and then... It, Jam City. It was Jam City. Yeah. Jam City was slated for a SPAC um, around the time that they were going to be acquiring Ludia. Right. And they did acquire Ludia. Ludia is now a subsidiary. But the SPAC did not end up happening. No. The SPAC acquisition. Yeah, it did. <laughs> No one expects. Oh, oh I no! The episode. No one expects the spacquisition. Can't go back now. No takesy backsies. Oh, uh, fuckery! Indeed. All right, let's continue. All right, Take Two was announced an offering of two point seven billion dollars in senior notes to fund the cash portion of its Zynga acquisition. Now you may be wondering what a senior note is. I mean, it's time for term sheets. Oh no! Slurry. No, Yum. we don't. Gross. <laughs> People that haven't been listening to this show since the beginning don't know what term sheet is. We well, never use it anymore. I know, we never use it Because anymore. it's gross. Slurry. Yum. Stop. Stop saying slurry. So senior notes are bonds that have priority in case the company goes bankrupt. So a couple of things. A bond, essentially, you are giving the company money. You're purchasing this bond that has a fixed rate of return. Right. And senior notes have a lower rate of return because they are more secure. If a company ever goes bankrupt, there is a hierarchy in terms of which investors get their funds back or a portion of their funds back. So senior notes uh, have higher priority in case the company goes bankrupt. Therefore, they carry a lower risk and a lower interest rate. So it's a form of long-term debt. It gets re- And this is going to be repaid in four tranches because the, the senior notes are in four groups. Uh, the first repayments, lowest interest rates are going to be repaid in 2024 and it goes all the way through 2032 with the highest interest rate so your money's tied up for that long right um now a lot of these have coupons so you might get a little bit of your money back at it it doesn't necessarily all come back to you at the end um you have uh, a certain amount that comes back depends on on how it's structured sure so they are using that to fund the zynga acquisition or at least the cash portion of it. Anyway. The cash portion of it, yeah, because they didn't have the cash on hand, so they needed to. So what happens is they look at their accounts, like, okay, we committed to paying cash or a certain amount of this in cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have all that cash on hand. We need to sell debt. Yeah. Essentially, we sell. We we get money now, and we pay it back higher later because you know the Zynga acquisition is going to bring us a ton of money, mm-hmm. and it will more than make up for itself. And this is all about leveraging debt. Yeah. Much. Absolutely. All right, uh, data companies, IRI, and NPD, and if you are a fan of the show, then you know that we often cover the NPD monthly report to talk about what video games and video game hardware and accessories are doing in the United States. So they have merged, Mm -hmm. or rather they are merging. Yes. The deal, which was announced last week, is expected to close in the bottom half of this year. Yeah, congrats to both of those companies. Uh, and a little tease for later in the episode, the Microsoft and Activision deal, again, worth a mind-boggling $69 billion. I almost said mind-boggling. You know, it's like when your mind's all messed up and in a bottle. Yeah. Uh, it's likely to meet some very specific scrutiny during the review process. The FTC is likely to be looking into the impact on consumer data 
again, you that's a it's a big concern. If you suddenly have a company that has access to so much consumer data, yeah, there is there is a concern about monopoly, right? Right. Or anti-competitive practice. Uh, they're also going to be looking at workplace conditions and requests for additional material have been sent to both Microsoft and Activision as part of the review process. Well, just like I said, I knew regulators were going to be very, very interested in no, this no. deal. There yep. we go. Yep. Here we go. And uh, that is the end of Investment Interlude. And now it's time for a break. Virtual Economy is an F-squared initiative. And along with pro bono business consulting for up and coming developers, it's a way we are working to give back to the community that has already given us so much. To find out more about F-squared and the services we can provide, including pitch prep, media training, mock reviews, and business strategy guidance, visit our website at fsquared.biz. And we are back. Hey, Mike, what time is it? It's time for quick hits. Ooh, so beautiful. Oh, I thank you. CD Projekt has announced it is bringing development of Witcher 3's Xbox Series and PlayStation 5 editions in-house. Saber Interactive was previously working on the ports. Due to the change, the updated versions of the game have been delayed indefinitely. Man, remember when we heard delayed indefinitely? Remember we had an entire episode talking about delayed indefinitely? Mm -hmm. At any rate, they were originally due this quarter. Now they're due out at question mark uh, yeah, time. At some point. Uh, it's not clear what happened here. Nope. Uh, but, you know. Okay. What will be, will be. Indeed. Um, so, hey, remember when Microsoft said in January that it was changing some policies around subscriptions? I do remember that. I believe I, I, I wrote a lot of notes about that. Mm -hmm. uh, Nintendo and Sony are now following suit as we anticipated. Yes. Uh, Sony says it will contact subscribers who have not used online services or their subscription services for PlayStation mm -hmm. now uh, for a period of time to let them know, hey, you know you're still paying for this, right? You know, if you don't want it anymore, you should probably cancel it. Mm -hmm. uh, Nintendo has agreed not to default to automatic renewal on their side as well. Uh, both have also committed to providing better information on pricing, cancellation procedures, and refunds in the case of accidental auto renewal. Beautiful. So, for instance, if... And this was a big problem, and I actually noted this at some point, where suddenly I got a note like, oh, hey, your, your PlayStation Plus renewed. It's like, oh, but I've been buying codes for that for $15 cheaper than you're selling it so I would have loved a heads up that, hey, your thing is renewing in a week, a month, whatever. Right. Um, now's the time to act. Right. Uh, in fact, this year, I got a notice from the company that I bought the code from last year, and I did not get one from Sony. So it, I, I really hope that that policy changes, because I think it is an abusive practice. Like, you should be reminding people when there's a dark UX pattern. It is a dark UX pattern. Uh, and, and you're going to be surprised by this. And those were quick hits. We only so, had two. We only had two. When was the last time quick hits were actually quick? It's been, and, and I am <laughs> grateful for this because of everything going on in our lives right now. It has been a, a little quiet, a little chill, which I do not. I mean, is there stuff that we probably, I probably could have thrown in here to pad it out? Yes, but nobody wants a padded episode. You want the meat. Nom, 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 nom. And uh, now it's time yeah. for the labor report. Yes. Uh, a couple of interesting things up top. Um, before we get to the Activision stuff, Riot Games has announced that it intends to call workers back to the office without a vaccine mandate. Without a mask mandate. Uh, and quite frankly, after GDC's COVID outbreak, uh, WTF, mate. Like, this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. And especially, I am so glad that we canceled our trip to PAX 
not only because of the GDC outbreak and the potential of being around that many people, but because as of this morning, uh, like or yesterday, I guess it was. It was last night. The, a federal judge killed the mask mandate. And then you had airlines who were mid-flight saying, hey, guess what, everybody? You can take your masks off. Which, by the way, is really shitty. Like, if you booked a flight expecting certain safety precautions, and then it's like, hey, uh, surprise everybody, you no longer have to wear your seatbelt uh, on takeoff and landing. But the difference is, like, you can choose to wear your seatbelt and you'll be safe. Mm-hmm. Other people choose to take off their mask around your unvaccinated children. Because they're not old enough. Yep. Or the children who are too young to even be masked, which was the story you and I both read this morning. Yeah, a six-month-old baby. You can't put a mask on a baby. No. So, uh, boo. Extremely uh, So I'm really glad. And Amtrak has, I believe, eliminated their mask requirement as well. So we'd be taking Amtrak up around a bunch of people who didn't wear masks, and that would be shitty. So I'm kind of glad we canceled our trip. As much as I Apparently was we are insulating again. Yeah. I didn't know that this was going to happen, but apparently this is what we're doing. Yeah. I'm glad that I was... Yeah, the funny thing was the earlier MTA, this week... The MTA, though. The MTA, we can ride... We can ride the subway in the city. Yeah. No problem. New Jersey, but Transit, New Jersey Transit. We're trying to still figure out because there's conflicting reports. <sighs> um, I will say, though, like it was earlier this week where I was thinking, man, I'd love to go out and actually travel to do some client work. And then this thing happened. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess not. Yeah. What's next? On the flip side, Bungie has announced it is transitioning to a, quote, digital first remote work friendly studio. CEO Pete Parsons made the announcement that as of now, candidates in Washington, California, Oregon, Illinois, Florida, North Carolina, and Texas are eligible to work remotely. I assume this is a tax thing. It is a tax thing. Like, I believe that someone from uh, Bungie was on on Twitter saying, like, it's taking a long time mm-hmm. to set this up everywhere that it's we need to set hard. it up. It's hard. It would be nice well, if they in fact, included about Canada. This, in fact, we talked about this with the lawyers, right? About yeah. setting up setting up remote uh, work. Yeah, well, not just that, but also setting up tax um, processes for yeah. all 50 states plus it's, other countries. and Right, and whereas countries, other countries tend to just govern things at a federal level, America doesn't. Mm-hmm. So everything's different in every state. And while taxes in Canada are different in each province, mm-hmm. um, there aren't very many of them. No, no. There's just <laughs> a small just... handful compared to the number of states that we have. Indeed. All right. I guess we're going back to Activision. All right. Uh, first up, something that sounds great but might have been done with some malice, actually. Activision Blizzard has converted all of its QA contractors to full-time. See, I cheered at this. I was like, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Good for them. Like, we love to yeah, see, see quality assurance. works and, 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 and Quality assurance is so important, and I'm glad they're recognizing this. And. Yeah. So this accounts for about 1,100 people and puts Activision Blizzard's headcount at over 10,000 again. Mm-hmm. QA employees will now receive a minimum of $20 per hour. That's up from around $12 per hour. Affected employees are now eligible for benefits and bonuses. But wait, not you, Raven. Yeah, this is the part that broke my heart. Yeah. So the striking employees are not included. And Activision Blizzard says that it is prohibited from raising their wages in the middle of unionization effort. And we'll get back to that. In a statement to The Verge, Activision Blizzard said, quote, all QA at Raven are full-time and already have access to full company benefits and eligibility to participate in the company's bonus program. Due to our legal obligations under the National Labor Relations Act, we cannot institute new pay initiatives at Raven at this time because they would be new kinds of compensation change. So I reached out to a lawyer who uh, I, I assure you is, is, is a licensed 
lawyer, someone who asked not to have their name mentioned for, uh, for privacy reasons. Makes sense. Um, and that person indicated to me that uh, we got some clarity through this. The National Labor Relations Act, Section 8, Subsection D, and Section 8, Subsection A-5, details all the ways a company cannot cut out the bargaining unit. So in this case, this would be a raise that didn't involve a bargaining unit, which, of course, Activision Blizzard is trying not to acknowledge in right. the first place. Um, but it specifically says the union would have to object right. to any kind of pay raise. In this case, Game Workers Alliance is vocally upset that the Raven employee is being excluded. Um, they are calling this an attempt to divide Activision Blizzard King, ABK workers. So they actually wanted the Raven QA employees included in this. Um, of course they did. They want actual raises yeah. and to like have a living wage. And I'm because sorry. they also know in, that this would not dissuade unionization efforts. No, it wouldn't. And in this year of 2022, $12 an hour is not a living wage. No. This makes this very much a union busting effort. Hey, uh, everybody's getting this except you guys who are shit stirring. Not is what okay. they're saying. Um, Activision, of course, is not going out of its way to seek clarification from either uh, Game Workers Alliance or the NLRB uh, in order to get... Because if they brought this in front of the NLRB and the union said, no, we're in favor of this, um, Activision Blizzard wouldn't be able to pull this shit. Right. Uh, Microsoft has remained silent on this issue, which, of course, isn't a surprise because they really can't impact they can't, anything. They can't say anything because they don't own the company. Sure. Um, so here's what uh, our lawyer said. Quote, I agree that Activision probably did this to send a message with at least tacit approval from Microsoft. Mm. And I think that that makes sense. That whole tacit approval. Microsoft can't say anything, but they also haven't spoken up. Sure. Yeah. But I doubt the employees would have much success pushing back too hard unless they could uncover some kind of smoking gun internal discussion evidence. So if they had emails that said, haha, we'll get those unionizing jerks. We won't give them the raise. Like you would need a smoking gun. Right. Like that. And nobody's, I would hope, I would think that maybe nobody's stupid enough to put that in writing. But then again, former Trumpers who have been stupid enough to put shit in writing. So maybe you never know. Um, so it's kind of like when someone gets fired, if you can actually prove it was because they were part of some protected class, great, but often it is very difficult to prove that intent. And the reason for that in the United States is pretty much every state is at will now. So they don't have to give you any kind of reason. That's horrifying, by the way, because that's not something that exists in my country. At will is not a thing. Like when you're in that three month probationary period, it's like a trial period for an employee and an employer Mm -hmm. to see if you like each other, see if you vibe. Mm -hmm. And then after that three months, they can't just like get rid of you at will. They have to have a reason to get rid of you. Gotcha. Um, prior to that three months being up though, so if it turns out that, you know, it's not mm-hmm. working out, then, you know, then the employer can take you into the office and be like, listen, this, this is not working. Mm-hmm. So all the best, but yeah. it's not working. Yeah. All right. What's next? Activision Blizzard has also announced the hiring of Kristen Hines as chief diversity, equity, and inclusion, inclusion officer. Overheard in the C-suite was Brian Bulateo's temper tantrum as he thrashed on the floor screaming, but I don't want to. <laughs> At any rate, Heinz comes from um, major consulting firm Accenture, where she was in charge of their global inclusion, diversity, and equity practice. 
Hines will be a key figure in reaching AB's goal, Activision Blizzard's goal, of increasing the percentage of women and non-binary people in its employee pool to 50% over the next five years. So this is really interesting. This is kind of in uh, along the same times that they just made 1,100 people who were contractors full-time employees. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm wondering how that's going that affects the the demographic makeup of the company right. overnight. Did they set Heinz up to fail? Right. And I or I'm, or did they do this because it speeds them along and they get to say I mean we don't know because we don't know what the demographic pool of those 1100 people is. If it's heavily weighted toward women and non-binary people, this speeds them along. If it's heavily weighted towards men, yeah, it kind of feels like they'd be setting her up to fail. We just don't know. Yeah, we don't know what that demographic makeup is. And and I like. can't look at this and not wonder. Everything seems nefarious. Honestly, everything from Activision, from Activision Blizzard, the parent company is shady as fuck. I guess what I'm saying is that Activision Blizzard has done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, for real. Uh, Side note on uh, Activision Blizzard here, Vicarious Visions is sadly no more. We knew the studio was being absorbed into Blizzard. They did amazing work. They have even been renamed now to Blizzard Albany. They've given up their Twitter account. Like, it sucks. I loved Vicarious Visions. It's such a bummer. They've made some really, really cool games. Yeah. And I feel, I I mean, I know that the ballas aren't there anymore. That they, that they left. They founded a new studio and everything. But some, but that's, that's gotta be sad for them too. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the real pisser, Mike. Oh, it's time to take a whiz. It's not great. So... Two lawyers at the Department for Fair Employment and Housing removed themselves from the ongoing suit against Activision Blizzard last week. Jeanette Whipper, the chief counsel at the DFEH, and Melanie Proctor, assistant chief counsel, made the surprise announcement on April 6th via court filing, and this was picked up again by Axios's Stephen Totillo. Yeah. Like, Stephen Totillo is being actually a, is doing... Totillo being a reporter in the trenches again... Is great. Is good. He's doing really good work. Yeah. Yeah. He and Megan are doing incredible mm-hmm. work over at Axios Gaming. And honestly, we're, we continue to be really happy to give them lots and lots of props. Mm-hmm. And there was some big questions about like, what the hell is going on here? This is kind of out of nowhere. Uh, last week, Bloomberg broke the news that Whipper was fired out of nowhere. So very suddenly by California uh-huh. Governor Gavin Newsom. And then Proctor quit in protest... And in support of Whipper. When she emailed Proctor, I mean, when Melanie Proctor announced her decision to staff in an email, she blatantly, outright, full-on accused Newsom of interfering in the suit. Quote, The office of the governor repeatedly demanded advance notice of litigation strategy and of next steps in the litigation, Proctor said. As we continued to win in state court, this interference increased, mimicking the interests of Activision's counsel. That's disgusting. Uh, Proctor also said that Whipper was fired for trying to keep the DFEH's independence intact. Further, Whipper is considering going after California under the state's Whistleblower Protection Act. Okay. This is ugly. So so the question here is, of course, the first thing to look at is, well, what's Newsom's political motivation for protecting Activision Blizzard? Bobby Kotick funded his opponent. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, what's going on here? Now... So it's not directly about the money. It's about keeping Activision Blizzard, for the most part, still in California. Yeah. I'm wondering if a phone call wasn't made, help us, or, you know, this Microsoft deal, Microsoft's just going to pull out of California. They'll just re- they'll just relocate everybody to Washington. 
or they'll get a, they'll move people to other states. If this continues, it doesn't, it do, it's not worth it for us to do business in California. And if you think about the earliest messaging that came out of Activision Blizzard about the DFEH, oh yeah, it was blasting the state, it was blasting the DFEH, said it's a waste of taxpayer money. And the one way that you can threaten a mayor of a large city or a governor of a of a state is to threaten to remove a significant number of jobs from that territory, that city, that state, whatever. Sure. And I have to believe that this is that if there were any threats levied, it was about that. Yeah. This is not returning a political favor. No. Clearly, but this is about self-preservation. This is about maybe maybe he even thinks he's doing it for the people of the state of no, California. No, it's about power. Let's be real here. Mm-hmm. The people that get into politics are in it for power, and they're in it for whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make them inherently bad for wanting to have power. Having power does not make someone inherently bad. Mm-hmm. But when you are making decisions like this, when you are taking the side of a corporation, quite frankly as opposed to taking the side of the workers, you've fucked up somewhere. Yeah. In a big, big way. Yeah. It's it's ugly, and as someone said to me, wouldn't it be hilarious if Activision Blizzard took down a state governor? I don't like, know if that would be hilarious thing. necessarily. Like, I think it would be really messed up. It would be messed up. And I think that what, what is happening here, or what is alleged to be happening here, is um, is wild. Sorry, I'm just pulling... There's There might have been some news that just broke, so I'm just taking a look real quick. Hang on a second. <laughs> this is sometimes what happens when we're recording and Mike's like, wait a second, hold the presses. And I'm like, wait, I am the presses. <laughs> Tag yourself, oh, I am presses. shit. So Amy Hennig's game mm-hmm. is uh, a new Star Wars game. What? Really? Yeah. That's really cool. That's neat. We'll have to talk about that another time, though, because... That is the end of the labor report. Yes. And therefore, that is the end of our episode Yeah, today. real quick on this Amy Hennig thing, though, before no. we... No! No, just very quickly, very quickly. The reason why this is so significant is because, as you might recall, Amy Hennig was working uh, with... She was working with Todd Stashwick, right? Yes. They were working on a Star Wars game at EA. Yes. That game got, got shelved. I remember. Canceled. And now she's over at Skydance working on a Star Wars game. And I love Amy's work, so I'm pretty happy about that. So thanks to Greg for popping that in. Uh, literally in the final We're not moments. a video game podcast. We're not a video game podcast, but it's just an, it is an interesting business story. It's an interesting... Uh, yeah, keep fighting for it. It's I okay. Am, He's I'm, looking for the context. I, well, no, there is context because of you've got, a, you've got a creative who was at a major publisher who had an exclusive deal with, with uh, Disney and Lucas for Star Wars games. That deal is expiring. That creative is now over at another media company, a major media company, not, I don't think, quite as big Listen, as... Listen, Amy's great. She is. Amy's great. Mm-hmm. There's but, no dispute about this. But and Amy helps make good games. Legacy of Cain. Uh, it's true. We have many people that listen to this sorry, show. Sorry, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try to end the episode again okay, because he he just he's just gonna he's just gonna keep going. All right. So thank you for listening. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to muffins, I will. Find something soft to beat you with. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Ah! Thank you for listening to the Virtual Economy Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @virtualeconcast. I am at Amanda Farrow. And I am at Footerish, F-U-T-T-E-R-I-S-H. 
You can subscribe to our RSS feed at virtuallyconcast.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Stitcher, Pocket Pocket Sand. That was aggressive Pocket Sand today, just to be clear. Oh, because of... Please subscribe and, if possible, review the show. Let us know what you think. If you have questions, and you know what, if you do... Stop it. Could you... Go play with Vivian's lightsabers. The I red them one, away. the one she turned red? The Sith one? No, she was using it as Rey the other day. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you have any questions, possibly about the show, and maybe even about Mike... <laughs> Um, you can DM them to us at, at virtual econcast. You can send them to us in an email at podcast.fsquared.biz. We are both on Signal. So you can DM the main Twitter accounts of Virtual Econcast for any of that information. Um, and you can also come hang out with us on Discord. We often, you know, are on there answering questions and commenting on the news kind of throughout the week. So, so yeah, and that that is... That is that. We did it. We did. So remember to wash your hands. Stay hydrated. Stop it. He can't be stopped. And be good to one another. If we if we get DMCA'd, that's it for you. No one no one would would recognize what I just did as Are you done? I'm done.